Hello, I'm Carrick MacDonald, and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. This is the third in a series of programmes about Rutherglen in the 1950s. In the first two programmes, David Jackson talked about how little life changed for many people in the town between the 1930s and the 1950s, and how it became a different world between the 1950s and now. He described types of people and things and events that were commonplace then and that you never see now. David continues that theme in this programme. There was one last uh, person that visited us. And this, there was a Rutherglen cooperative. It went on to be 100 years old. It was established in the 1860s, 18, mm-hmm. 1860s, Rutherglen cooperative. And uh, they had branches out with Rutherglen. Mm-hmm. They had branches in East Cobride. They had branches in Newton. Mm. They had branches in Kermonark, no Glasgow, mm. but the areas. And uh, it was a big establishment. Uh, they had branches all over Rutherglen. But out with the shops, they had cooperative vans. They had a fleet of about 15, 16 vans. These vans were garaged in uh, the Burnhill in Chapel Street. Mm-hmm. There was a large garage. Now, when I see a van, you might get the impression that the van is a, like a, one of the Vauxhall vans or something. Aye. You know, a Bedford van. Sure. No, this was more like a, a single-decker bus. This was a big, long van. And they were uh, they were uh, green in colour with gold lettering, Rutherglen Cooperative. And uh, the door into the van was at the back, the back entrance, and you went up two or three steps. And the man came round every day, the co-van came round every day. So you didn't need to go to the shops if you weren't up to it. He came round, his name was Ted, Ted the co-van man, right. and he had a nice big moustache. And, um, and you entered at the back, and your mum... He would give you your wee list. In these days, Wayne's done everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Wayne's, it's not like the day where Wayne's don't do it now. Wayne's done everything. <laughs> my mother ran him a nudge, and me and my brother actually ran it. Mm. We gathered the money and we took it to the place in Abercrombie Street mm-hmm. in the Carlton. We went to messages. We went other people's messages. My mm. brother and I both were message boys for certain old women in the street. We got a wee wedding throat and sometimes mere, you know. Um, so the co van would come round and he. My mother would shop at the co van, and if you missed them outside our, roughly outside our gate, you would know your mum would say, Going up to Pinkerton, because you'd be running Pinkerton or be running Tory Glen Road, and you'd run round there and you'd catch them there. (laughs) So he also came round Mm. the cooperative van, and the great thing about the cooperative van was this in this uh, society of the cooperative, you get dividend money, what you spent at the end of the year. And you had a number, a divvy number. Mm-hmm. And my mother's number to this day I can remember, mm-hmm. 12013. Oh. That was my mum's divvy number, 12013. <laughs> and my mother was the happiest woman in Rutherglen when it came divvy time because that was money that of was course. extra money. Course, yeah. The same as when she ran the Minoj and it was her turn for them. She got a free turn because she ran at 20 yeah. people. Right. My brother and I on a Friday night would get around 20 people's doors for mm-hmm. years as wee boys yeah. to collect the divvy money. So that Minoj, what's a Minoj again? A Minoj uh-huh. is a thing whereby you're affiliated to, it was Terley's, and right. the, the Terley's was a, a shop that sell curtains and, mm-hmm. and bedding and etc. in right. the Carlton, and uh, they run Minoj's, so my mum run it in the Burnhill in Rutherglen, and 20, she would get 20 women to join it, and 
you paid uh, say you paid five bob a week then after 20 weeks somebody during that 20 weeks you might be the first turn or the 20th turn mm. it was your turn so you yeah. get your 25 bobs worth mm-hmm. back in a winnie so it was like saving up it was like uh-huh. a bank uh-huh. you see but because the person that ran it mm-hmm. she didn't pay anything she right. got it for her turn for nothing oh I see right yeah but my mother didn't do the work yet me and my brother mm. done the work yet <laughs> <laughs> me and my brother went to the Carlton <laughs> after playing for the school football team in the morning we'd get in there in the <laughs> afternoon to pay it so mm. all that was going on yeah mm. we speak about illegal bookies street mm-hmm. bookies mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um, that was a fascinating experience mm. I had two men in my street when I think back at now, my chimney sweep was in my street as well. Uh, and later on, I'm going to talk about the last the bell ringer in Rutherglen. He was in my street, mm-hmm. Jimmy Clements. Mm-hmm. But anyway, street bookies. We had mm-hmm. two street bookies in my street, Rab Deacons and Davey Goldie. Davey Goldie was a man that had two thumbs and knee fingers. So he must have had an accident Damn some you. way. He had a thumb and two fingers all his life. Is that right? But he was a street bookie. He could take, yeah. you know, yeah. grab, grab oh, them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, his stands... I could tell you them all. There was, mm. They had nicknames. Uh, there was one called Noisy Hannah. Mm. And I can know they had a pitch. Mm-hmm. Every street bookie had a pitch. And they had a kind of lookout person and all. Mm-hmm. They'd be looking out for the polis. Because the, 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 the way it worked was, um, it was illegal. And the polis, it was a wee kind of organised thing. The police would lift them every four or five months. They would go before the borough court and mm. get maybe a five bob fine, ten bob fine, mm. and then the police would let them go for six months and come back and get them again. You know, <laughs> um, so yes. the, 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 mm. the, the judiciary were making money yeah, out of them, of course, and, yeah. they, and, and they were making a living. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but the, the, the funny thing about the street bookies was, mm. as sure as God, it was a street bookie, they all had nicknames. Mm. Not them all, but the biggest majority of them. There was one called... His name was Davy Brunley, mm-hmm. but they called him a flea, Flea Brunley. And there was one called Dobrun, Dobrun. There was one called John Totten, and his name was Chad Totten. Mm-hmm. There was one called Noisy Hannah. There was one called Treacle Robertson. <laughs> Aye, <laughs> Treacle Robertson. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and they all had pitches. Mm. And I can tell you where their pitches were, mm. every one of them. There was one called Joke Ewan. His pitch was in the Kite and Green, where all the men went. We still had a kite and green in Rutherglen. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you more about that later mm-hmm. on. So, these street bookies, illegal street bookies, and here's a good wee bit about this wee story. So, if you gave your line to the street bookie, there could be many Thomases and many Davies and many of this. Mm-hmm. So you had a nom de plume. You picked a nom de plume. And my father's nom de plume, I can remember this as well, mm. was London. He would write London. And the bookie knew who London was, yeah. Tommy Jackson. But... Behind, my father never had any luck at the bookies. And behind my father's back all the time, my mother thought it was wasted money. Mm. Oh, he wasn't a big gambler, aye, aye. but he wasn't a lucky gambler. And behind my father's back, mm. my mother used to always mm. say, London to an orange, it'll get beat. She <laughs> 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 used to say, London to an orange, she would whisper it. London to an orange, it'll get beat. And it did. My brother and I grew up and never gambled in my life. <laughs> you know? Yes. So... We can talk about street bookies. Street bookies can be traced back to the 19th century and the result of a Victorian drive to regulate the morals of the working classes. Betting on horses was legal, but only at racecourses or by post or by telephone. Not everyone had access to these methods of gambling, so illegal bookies filled that void in streets, factories, shipyards and tenement closes all over Scotland. Some of the more savvy bookies 
taking a punt, as it were, on gambling eventually becoming legal, set up blank-fronted shops, masking their activity under names such as turf accountants. In May 1961, gambling became a legal, regulated leisure pursuit, and the street bookies went legit. During that period of the 1950s and before, eh, we had newspaper sellers in the streets in Rutherglen. A man called Jack Doyle had the franchise for newspapers in Rutherglen. He actually made a living out of selling newspapers. He had four local men selling newspapers for him. Barney Hampson, Huey McCloy, Ralph Ralston and Wee Willie Liggett. These men were all characters. As you can well imagine, eh, these men worked on the street. They knew everybody and everybody knew them. And when I say they were characters, each of them had a, a, a style of their own. You know, um, Ralph Ralston had a, actually had a nickname, mm. and I've never heard anyone else in my life with this nickname. He was called Tongue Ralston because he had the gift of the gab. This man was a real character. He was born in the Gorbals, he wasn't born in Rutherglen, but he lived in Rutherglen all his days. And uh, Barney Hampson was the same. Barney once stood for the Communist Party in the late 50s or early 60s, and he lived to a ripe old age and always had a story to tell. Huey McCloy, one of the others, Huey was to be found every weekend in the lounge of the Glen Bar in Main Street because he was a wonderful singer and he just loved being up at the mic and he could sing some lovely, lovely songs. And we were Liggett, well, he was a wee quiet man and uh, a wee small, burly-legged man, Willie Liggett, and he was a long-time paper seller as well. So, as I say, they were absolutely great and it was a novelty of the time that, once again, like the 50s, had disappeared. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this third programme in the series about Rutherland in the 1950s, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. What you've got to remember is this. This is pre-television pre days I'm talking about, when men stood about street corners just to talk. They left the house to go up to the corner to talk. And in Rutherglen, some of the famous corners where men gathered, aye, up to 15 men at a time, was the Bank Corner. It was known as the Bank Corner. That was at Glasgow Road and um, the corner of Glasgow Road and Chapel Street. And then there was also a, the corner at Greenbank Street and Main Street. And also another great corner for a, for people, met old men meeting, was the Mill Street corner in Main Street. Or it was actually Cathcart Street. Mill Street, Cathcart Street, but on to Main Street. And my grandfather... That was where he stood. As a wee boy, I knew where to get my grandfather. He drank in the Linnadee and he could be found at that corner. He lived till he was 90 and he was always at the corner. Smoked a pipe. One of the other corners that he was well used was on the main street, at the east end of the main street, at the Bower Bar. There's a lane there, and in olden days it was called Church Lane because it led down to the original Stonelaw Church in King Street. And this was where 
my dad's one of my dad's older brothers hung about. He stood at that corner. Ongoing things in the main street, people talking, people were always in the street, unlike now, mm. whereby the streets can be empty, you know, past six the streets are empty past six o'clock at night. Anyway, I want now that I'm talking about that in that area, I want to talk about um disappearing streets, disappearing pens, and through going closes. Because you know, in the nineteen fifty there was many streets that no longer exist now. If you asked a young Raglonian in his 40s where these streets were, they almost certainly couldn't tell you. Streets like Kirkcart Street and Arnott Street, Burn Road, India Street and New Street, and others, Mitchell Street, Old Regent Street, or that is Regent Street, which was old, Murray Place, a little 50-yard uh, place that ran off of Regent Street, Kildale Street, and of course, the factory lane with its cushy stains, which was really, really quaint. I have fond memories of the factory lane, the oldest pub in the town. Ye old Inn, built in 1650, sat at this north end of the factory lane. I may add in that um, there was a man had a yard in there. Gosh, what was his name? It'll come back to me. But he sold sticks and he was a kind of handyman and was always had a profession of one kind or another. He would do whatever it took to get money. So that was a great period. And there, when I think back now, there have named umpteen streets there that just don't exist anymore. So what happened to these streets then? These streets were demolished. At that end, mostly, would you believe, in the... Uh, the period where we put this new dual carriageway through Mill Street, the oldest pub in the town went as well, yield in. And quite a few of these uh, buildings, red sandstone buildings, should never have been demolished, but they had to be to run this new dual carriageway from Shawfield up to Cathkin Braes. Mm. And now it's been extended lately, going through the Cathkin Bypass. So we lost a lot of those streets just because of that. The website Old Glasgow Pubs tells us that the last licensees of Ye Old Inn, which at one time in its long history was known as the Oddfellows Arms Inn, were the Murray family. Mrs Mary Murray worked in the bar from when she was 18 years of age. She and her husband ran the pub until it was demolished in the 1960s. And there were some real worthies lived in those streets. Again, as I mentioned, through going closes. Now, I wouldn't say there was too many of them left, but as, as anyone knows, in days gone by, nearly every town and village had through-going closes. Some places, like out in Lanark today, have still got plenty of through-going closes. Edinburgh and endless places, but we lost most of the hours. Yeah, a through-going close uh, was a close that was in one street and went through to another street, which you didn't need to go around the streets. You went in the close at one end in one street and you came out a close at the other end in another street. The Weavers Close at Nine Chapel Street, where Annie Boner lived, took you through to the burn yard. This was called the Weavers Close. Like every close in those days as well, they had names. Like every pen had a name. Was it just called a pen? They all had names. That's quaint, it really is. Mm. But the Weavers Close was called the Weavers Close because when you went down the main street, 
you could cut through this through going close from Chapel Street, I think it was 17 Chapel Street, or 13, and uh, you could come out in the Burn Road. Now in days gone by, long before the 50s, Rutherland in the West End had three power loom weaving factories down at the West End. And this is the shortcut. The weavers of days gone by, the women, used that that close as a, a shortcut and hence it became known as the weavers' close. Right, yeah. It took them a shortcut to their work and from their work. Yeah. The pond close, which was in a building built in 1864 in King Street, it was in King Street Lane in King Street, and it took you to, to and from both those streets. Pirates Close and Kirkcat Street took you down through to Arnett Street. In days gone by, before my time, every close in Rutherland had a name, as I said. And I'm going to name some of them, but these are pre-1950, well pre. There was Shannon's Close, there was Cowan's Close, there was the Cat's Close, there was the Mutton Close. There was Gilligan's close, there was Allardyce's close, there was the Palest close, and the list is endless. <laughs> endless. Um, and I learned these. I'm going to tell you how I learned these. Mm. I had a great uncle who, for one reason or another, um, back in the, the 1900s and 20s, and he was a street sweeper in Rutherglen, and he had survived into the 1960s and I heard him he was a street sweeper and went in and out every close and he could name every close in this town mm. by its old quaint name and I picked these names up many many years ago Goodness. Yep. as I say the list is endless David talked about pens there according to Wikipedia pend, that's P-E-N-D is a Scottish architectural term referring to a passageway that passes through a building, often from a street through to a courtyard or back court, and typically designed for vehicle rather than pedestrian access. A pend is distinct from a venel or a close, as it has rooms directly over it, whereas venels and closes tend not to be covered over, and are typically passageways between separate buildings. David also mentioned cushy stones, which I understand are hard-wearing stones sometimes used for paving, a bit like cobblestones. So there we are. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns Local History Show on Cam Glen Radio. Thanks to David Jackson for his contribution to this programme about Rutherglen in the 1950s, and to Zen Boyd of Rutherglen Heritage Centre for her help and support. Thanks also to BBC Scotland's Scottish History website. The music was by Sugar Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme, or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email, history at camglenradio.org. I hope you enjoyed that programme, and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Raglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. How do you look after your teeth and gums? Brush your teeth um, every every time you wake up and at bedtime. 
Make sure you get like everywhere under your mouth, even the back of your teeth. If you kind of don't, then you'll have them fall out. If you don't look after your teeth, you'll get black and brown. To help keep your teeth and gums healthy, visit the dentist regularly. To register with a dentist, simply telephone or visit a practice in your area and ask if you can register with them. You can find a dentist near you using the NHS Inform service directory. You are listening to Press Pause on Cam Glen Radio. This is a programme that focuses on nature sounds to promote relaxation and mindfulness. For the next half an hour, you will hear the sounds of the River Teeth in Calendar. <laughs> 